0: It really is an exceptional honour uh, to welcome Dr. Zambri Abdul-Kader who as you know is the Chief Minister of the Perak State in Malaysia uh, to speak to us today on the subject of fighting extremism through Islamic moderation. Uh, I'll leave it to my colleague uh, Dr. Matthew Walton to give a fuller introduction uh, to uh, Dr. Zambri uh, who is Uh, an important and influential figure politically and intellectually Uh, and all I want to do now is to just say a few words about how thrilled we are that you have uh, accepted our invitation to come and speak here and how appropriate it is for you to speak at St. Anthony's College which is the most international of the University of Oxford's colleges we have (coughs) students from well over a dozen different nationalities here and we also host most of the regional area centers, um, including uh, the one whose uh, who, who's auspices you are speaking today, the Asian Studies Center, uh, whose director I am. Uh, and the Asian Studies Center is particularly interested in promoting the study of Southeast Asia. Uh, and we can do that thanks to Matt Walton, uh, and thanks to a number of other specialists in the region. And I see some of them here today, Kevin Fogg, Uh, uh, based largely at the Oxford Centre for Islamic (coughs) Studies. Uh, So we now have a good set of people uh, and we are hoping very much to give Southeast Asia the prominent position it deserves in the deliberations and scholarship of this university. And your visit, uh, sir, is, uh, among other things, I think, a step in that direction. So welcome again, and I'll turn it over to Matt. Thank
1: you.
2: Thank you very much, Faisal. Um, I'm really pleased to be able to welcome our speaker tonight, uh, Dr. Zambri Abdul-Kadir, who is the Menteri Besar, the chief minister of the state of Perak in Malaysia. Um, so this is an important and influential post that he holds, but you might be forgiven uh, for thinking that it's merely his day job uh, when you look at Dr. Zambri's many interests and activities, uh, of course he has the political qualifications that one would need for That's this important. role, having been a member of the Perak State uh, Legislative Assembly Some since forth. 2004, uh, head of the Parak chapter of UMNO, the United Malays National Organization, and also from 1998 to 2000, the founding director of the UMNO Youth Academy. But his interests beyond politics range quite widely. Uh, He has degrees in economics and Islamic thought from the International Islamic uh, University of Malaysia, as well as an MA and a PhD uh, in political thought from Temple University in the US, which is very close to my heart since I grew up not far from Philadelphia. He's also an accomplished writer, editor, and translator, and in something that is not so common among academics and politicians, a published poet as well. Oh. I don't know that we're gonna hear much about that side of mm-hmm. him uh, t- tonight, but, um, but it's something maybe to ask in the Q&A. Uh, in addition, he joins a distinguished list of visitors at St. Anthony's College of former political detainees, having been detained oh. under the uh, Internal Security Act in 1998, uh, and we talked a little bit about that uh, earlier this evening. Uh, along with a number of other uh, UMNO youth leaders and other political figures, many of whom hold high office in Malaysia at the moment. Uh, along with Dr. Zambri, I'd like to welcome his colleagues, uh, Dato Reis uh, Hussein Mohamed Arif, uh, and also uh, Mr. Uh, Zukifi Mohamed. Uh, so welcome, thank you for, for coming and accompanying him. I'd also like to thank Arshad Mohamed Ismail, the uh, visiting fellow in Islamic Finance at the Oxford Center for Islamic Studies, for facilitating the connections that brought Dr. Zambri here today. Uh, as well as Maxime Dargadfong, uh, the uh, Asian Studies Center administrator, who helped to organize the event today. Uh, so, without further ado, um, I will turn it over to Dr. Zamri. Please, please join me in welcoming Dr. Zamri Abu Khali.
1: Very good evening. I think this evening already. Uh, I got a little bit confused at the time, but I feel uh, it's time to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Matt, the uh, director of uh, Center of the Pfizer. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, first of all, I would like to share this uh, in a conversation that I had with my colleague there. When I was first informed about uh, these programs, uh, as politicians, we always ask how many people are going to attend these functions. Because politicians always ask for numbers of the, of the participants, but they want to know the, the numbers. Uh, but for the you know, academician or academic, they don't really look at the numbers because they, what they want to know. Um, the quality of the uh, you know the participants, so um, sometimes being a politician myself, you know uh, we, we tend to ask this question again and again how many members to come out? Uh, thanks God today, at least I have more than two <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's good enough. ladies and gentlemen uh, i 'm very honored to be among this august uh, gathering of scholars and intellectuals. And I would like to record my sincere thanks uh, to the organizers of this event, Asian Studies Center St. Anthony's College, University of Oxford, for inviting me to deliver today's lecture on fighting extremism through Islamic moderation, or wasatiya. This is the Arabic words, the core wasatiya. Distinguished scholars, guests, ladies and gentlemen, In a 1989 essay entitled The End of History, Francis Fukuyama, writing against the backdrop of the impending collapse of the Berlin Wall, argued that the advent of Western liberal democracy may signal the endpoint of humanity, social-cultural evolution, and the final form of human government, that is mankind's ideological evolution, and the universalization of Western liberal democracy as the final form of human government. Fast forward to nineteen ninety three, Fukuyama's teacher, political scientist Samuel Huntington, believed that the age of ideology had ended and the world had reverted to its normal state of affairs, characterized by cultural conflict. He argued that the primary axis of conflict in the future would be along cultural and religious lines. Unknowns to both, the Bush administration would later use these same arguments to invade Afghanistan and Iraq, or some people they pronounce it Iraq, for their own interest, under the pretext of spreading democracy to Muslims. At the core of the Bush administration's strategy is the publicly stated attempts to counter the threat of extremism, which in turn gave birth to the contemporary conflict of the modern era, that is, the so-called war on terror. To the credit of Fukuyama, in 2006, he disavowed the, the corruption of his ideas by neo, neocon strategist interpretation. Because of this war on terror, the concept of wasatia or Islamic moderation has now become a sort of catchphrase as a panacea for all the woes brought about by terrorism, forgetting the fact that terrorism is one form of extremism. In fact, it has become fashionable today to harass quote-unquote Muslims by questioning their complacency with Islam's teachings that it attempts to chastise the silent majority for not speaking out against the minority that is peripheral groups of Muslims who are banned on supporting or committing destructive extremist or radical acts. This ignores the fact that moderation is so ingrained in the Islamic worldview that it is a daily practice in the life of Muslims everywhere. As chapters of the history of extremism are still being written, it plots pirates around a single question why do people take such extremist views or tendencies or even acts? I'm sure that many here are aware of some of the more common factors that lead people to such extremist tendencies. It has often often been cited that lack of economic development and education has led some people to turn to extremists. In other cases, it is despair and a sense of utter hopelessness. Humiliation is another wellspring. While most have acknowledged this factor, if we observe more carefully, we will find that some extremists come from well-off families and are very much educated. Graham E. Fuller, in his book, A World Without Islam, which was written sometime in 2010, wrote that the problem is not basically about Islam but the legacy of geopolitical and social issues that affects Muslims who are indeed adopting weapons of the weak. This James Corson, The Theory of the Weapons of the Weak. He further wrote that we are also accustomed to a world of violence, terrorism and suicide bombing that we have come to feel that this is the routine method of Muslims' warfare. But quite to the contrary, they represent new factors on the strategic scene. It is now hard to recall that some two and a half decades ago, such events were highly unusual. In most cases, it is a combination of this factor that extremism continues to persist. For them, extremism is the pursuit of political goals through alternative means. They also hide behind the mask of religion in pursuit of their goals. Some really believe that other religions and civilizations represent the enemy and that there is no place for peaceful coexistence. For them, the world is a zero-sum game where one side can win only at the expense of the others. What an irony. Ladies and gentlemen, the word wasatiyah probably is something new to, to some, which is found in the Quran is commonly translated in English as moderation. Professor Dr. Hashim Kamali wrote that the different Contextualized perceptions and permutations, even distortion of moderation merely for information and awareness, but did not propose to abandon the use of the word, nor to associate what with was his English equivalent with tendentious overload. That say, contextualization in this case distorts the meaning of what moderation. Actually stands for. To say that a moderate Muslim is a Muslim of questionable authenticity, and a libertine is itself tantamount to walking away from the spirit of moderation, and what the silent majority of Muslim masses actually stand for. The Quranic basis for the concept of wasatiyah lies in the verse. 153 of chapter 2 of the Quran, in which Allah or God says, And thus we and thus have we willed you to be a community of the middle way, so that with your life you might bear witness to the truth before all mankind, and that the apostle might bear witness to it before you. In Arabic term, if I may read out here. Muhammad Assad, this one of the great commentators of the Quran, who lived in 1900 until 1996, and erudite Islamic scholars, in his message of the Quran, Interpreted the community of the middle way, or Ummat Wasatan, as we in the Quran is now, as follows. A community that keeps an equitable balance between extreme and is realistic in its appreciation of man's nature and possibility, rejecting both licentiousness and exaggerated asceticism. In tune with his repeated call for moderation in every aspect of life, the Quran exalts the believers not to place too great an emphasis on the physical and material aspect of their life, but postulates at the same time that man's urges and desires relating to this life of the flesh are God-willed and, therefore, Legitimate. On further analysis, the expression "a community of the middle way" Matan wasatan) might be said to summarize, as it were, the Islamic attitudes towards the problem of men existing as such, that the denial, a denial of the view that there is an inherent conflict between the spirit and the flesh. And a bold affirmation of the natural, God-will unity in this twofold aspect of human life. This balanced attitude, peculiar to Islam, flows directly from the concept of God's oneness and hands, of the unity of purpose underlying all his creation. And thus, the mention of the community of the middle way at this place is a fitting introduction to the theme of the Kaaba. Symbol of God's oneness. This is the aspect of wasatiyah that is the quality of a balanced or moderated way that has been guiding Muslims through the ages in the dealing among themselves and with others, and within within their very own self. There are other aspects of wasatiyah found in the Quran and Hadith, and also in the work of classical and current Islamic scholars. Ladies and gentlemen. The most important meaning of wasatiyah or moderation which qualifies the Ummah to become witness of mankind is justice, which includes justice to God or to Allah, justice to religion, justice to human beings and all creatures, justice to nature and justice to oneself. Without this quality of comprehensive justice and fairness, the ummah or the people or the community cannot be the witness against those peoples or human beings who have fulfilled, who have failed to fulfill the divine trust placed upon them. It is the second concept also spoke about in the Quran, as spiritual, moral, excellent, and overall goodness. So the first definition or interpretation is about justice, and the second interpretation is about al-khairiyah, or they call it al-khairiyah in Arabic terms, of the Muslim community in embodying all that is good and in enjoining enjoying the right Or good and prohibiting the wrong or evil. As mentioned in the Quran, you are the best community brought forth as an example for mankind. You enjoin what is right and forbid what is wrong and believe in Allah. It is a righteous and noble community which does not go beyond proper limits but follows the middle course and deals out just, justice evenly to the nations of the world as an impartial judge and bases all its relations with other nations on truth and justice. Another aspect of wasatiyah is straightness. Yeah, they call it in Arabic terms, they call it al-istiqamah, firmness. Some people call it firmness, some people call it straightness the straight way or the straight path is also the middle position as compared to the crooked windings and wrong paths surrounding it muslim and the islamic ummah on the straight path implies the avoidance of the excessiveness or the negligence of religious community throughout history which has turned the wrath of allah or god or which stray away from the right path. Wasatiyah is also seen as a direct evidence of the presence of strength. Uh, this is another concept, another meaning, or in Arabic we call quwwah or strength, as represented by the youth who o- occupy the intermediate position between the weakness of childhood and the frailty of the old age. So it shows the strength of a person. So it must be right in the middle, right in the balance. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me now to elaborate on the work of three scholars whom I call the Three exes of Wasatia. I highlight them because their efforts are well known in the Southeast Asian region where I come from. By no means I'm discounting various other scholars over space and time who have contributed much in the study of Wasatiya, including one of your scholars here, Tariq Ramadan, who's been, re- uh, who's been writing a lot about the needs for creating a balanced community in this world. First, Sheikh Yusuf al who probably many of you know who, who uh, studies uh, Islamics. Uh, studies, they know this area, this, this man, so very well. Yusuf al-Qadawi, a contemporary Muslim scholar, is the pioneering personality among the three contemporary exes of Wasatiyah. Studying the relevant verses of the Quran and Hadith, and drawing on the works of classical jurists and scholars on Wasatiyah, he came up with eight recommendations that must be given due attention in order to achieve the goals and ideas of holistic wasatia. The eight recommendations are First, facilitation in the giving of formal legal opinion and emphasizing glad tidings in Islamic propagation efforts. Second, combining the principles of the pious ancestors and the requirement for renewal or combining authentic- authenticity with contemporary requirement. Third, balancing between the permanent principle of Islamic law and the changing condition of the time. Or they call in Arabic term they call how you, you um, strike the balance between a that is the permanent principles and also the muta'ajirat that is the the changing condition from time to time, how you apply certain principles of the Quran, for example. Fourth, the coupling of religious duty with the social reality or understanding of the social reality. Yeah, While you are studying religion, for example, you must also understand the social reality that you are facing of your time. Fifth, engaging in dialogues and coexistence with other people and practicing tolerance with those who differ. Six, adopting the principle of consultation, justice, freedom of peoples and human right. Seven. Being just and fair to women, liberating liberating them from the oppression of customs inherited from eras of backwardness and from the oppression of foreign customs coming from the civilization of disintegration and eight, presenting Islam as a balanced, integrated civilizational mission for the revival, liberation, and unification of the Ummah. Second scholars, or the second exodus of Wasatiyah, is my own very professor, that's Professor Dr. Muhammad Kamal Hassan. Muhammad Kamal Hassan, a professor at the International Islamic University in Malaysia, <coughs> builds on the work of Qardawi by devising the structural framework that se- seamlessly connects the various dots of wasatiyah into a coherent and holistic wasatiyah. The results, a diagrammatic schema on the various aspects of holistic wasatiyah that shows <coughs> how each interact influences and impacts each other. It's like a house, so uh, inside the house, they have all the elements of wasatiyah. According to Muhammad Kamal Hassan, the three pillars of wasatiyah are the qualities of justice, excellence, and balance. One should not emphasize one quality of wasatiyah at the expense of the other two, because they are in fact organically intertwined and interrelated. We are not doing the right things to the divine principle of varsity if we choose to highlight only one aspect of its holistic meaning, namely moderation to the detriment of other qualities, although the issues of moderation is highly relevant to the present global challenges of religious extremism, ideological uh, dogmatism, or ethnic fundamentalism. And finally, Prof. Dr. Muhammad Hashim Kamali, Muhammad Hashim Kamali of the Institute, International Institute of Advanced Islamic Studies, Malaysia, building on the works of the previous two scholars, starts with the premise that scholars, religious communities, and, and policy circles alike must have access to the governing principles that drives the silent majority of the Muslim, rather than focusing on the ex- extremist fringe. As a prolific writer and expert on Islamic and comparative law, Kamali, in, re- in his most recent book, The Middle Path of Moderation in Islam, the Quranic principle of wasatiyah, demonstrate that wasatiyah has a long and well-developed history of Islamic law and applies the concept to the contemporary issues of justice, women's rights, environmental and financial balance, and globalization. Kamali also connects historical conceptions of Wasatiya to the theme of state and international law, <coughs> governance and cultural maladies in the Muslim world and beyond. I think the foreword, the preface of the book was, was written by Tariq Ramadan. Ladies and gentlemen, and then let has now move to Malaysia, my own country, I think it's my focus today. Moving on, Malaysia's Wasatiyah approach or practice grew out of its unique Islamic tradition and inherited form of Malay culture. The country has proven that it can adapt itself to modern challenges while simultaneously maintaining the spirit of the Ummah in promoting harmony and mutual coexistence. Malaysia is a pluralistic country built with a population of 30.4 million, comprising different ethnicities, religions, and cultures. Since, since its independence in 1957, Malaysia has achieved remarkable economic and social progress. <coughs> Despite facing two major crises in the past, communist incidences in 1960 and 1989, and the racial riots of 13 May 1969, this Southeast Asian country managed to avert, to avert full blown civil war and remain, and remain on the path of stability and harmony. The lasting peace and harmony that Malaysia continues to enjoy today was not achieved by accident. As in the words of Dr. Chandra Muzaffar, a leading independent Malaysian social uh, social scientist who wrote that Malaysia is an example of a country that has had success with modernization despite the pressure of globalization. He attributed that to the followings. Number one, he said, a lasting balance of power amongst its national ethnic group. Number two, a socially responsible and relatively honest political leadership since the late 1950s. Number three, a sustained economic growth accompanied by redistributive to bridge the gap between indigenous and non-indigenous people. Number four, an emphasis on education irrespective of gender. And number five, an ever more ingrained cultural sense of tolerance at the societal level. Sixty percent of Malaysians are Muslims. The other forty percent profess a variety of religions that is Buddhism, Taoism, Confucianism, Christianity, Hinduism, Sikhism, and others, including the indigenous in uh, in Malaysia. In light of this diversity, national unity continues to be the overriding objective. Malaysia has decided on integration as opposed to assimilation. Malaysia accepts their diversity. We do not merely tolerate each other, but we also embrace and celebrate diversity. By leveraging the robustness and dynamism of our diversity, we have created a foundation for our national resilience. Prime Ministers Dr. Mahathir Abdullah Badawi, and currently, Najib Raza, have engineered national development plans and various strategies to strengthen Malaysia on the basis of multiplicity in its religious political system. In 1991, Dr. Mahathir introduced Vision 2020, which aspired to develop Malaysia into a fully industrialized nation through balanced development, a fusion of economic progress and development of human personality. In essence, it was designed to pursue economic development without sacrificing ethics, religious identity and ethnicity. Abdul Sabadawi's premiership in 2003 represented another progressive step towards implementation of Wasatiyah, the introduction of Islam Hadari or civilizational Islam initiative. This concept consists of 10 principles. Namely, faith and piety in Allah, just and trustworthy government, freedom and independence to the people, mastery of knowledge, balance and comprehensive economic development, good quality of life for all, protection of the right of minorities, group and women, cultural and moral integrity, Protection of the environment, and finally, a strong defense policy. Badawi envisioned Islam Hadari as an approach that both emphasizes development consistent with the tenets of Islam and focuses on enhancing the quality of life. This initiative has been translated into various national institutions. The Islam Hadari Institute or IHI at the National University of Malaysia, or UKM, and the Institute of Advanced Islamic Studies were established in 2008 to promote this initiative, where Professor Ashib Kamali come from, and also some of your professors from Oxford visited the center. Despite facing criticism and obstacle, <coughs> Islam Hadari Initiative reflects a serious attempt and commitment by the ruling elite to introduce moderation-style practices in Malaysian society. The current Prime Minister, Najib Razak, has taken the concept of wasatia further by fusing it with the country's philosophy of One Malaysia, or in Malaysian they call Satu Malaysia, One and Satu Malaysia, which emphasizes the importance of the national unity regardless of race, background, or religious belief to developing and strengthening society. Najib administration has established three other institutions, Global Movement of the Moderate Foundation, the Institute of Wasatiyah Malaysia, under the Prime Minister's Department, and the third one is the International Institute of Wasatiyah, under the International Islamic Universities Malaysia as the platform for promoting for promoting Wasatia both at home and abroad. The GMMF, or Global Movement of the Moderate Foundation, explains its objective as a new approach in international relations and foreign policy with the main goals of applying perspective and frameworks of moderation to realize world peace and harmony. The The Prime Minister articulated the idea of establishing GMM during his speech at the United Nations General Assembly in New York. For him, the real divide, he said, the real divide is not between Muslims and non-Muslims, or between the developed and developing world. It is between moderates and extremists. Now allow me to explain the Malaysian strategies Encountering the problem of extremism, which began with the communist incidences in the late 1940s. In tandem with the evolving and dynamic nature of terrorism threat, it is necessary to formulate new strategies that are uh, suitable and contemporary, but we don't have to entirely reinvent the wheel as the fundamentals of our strategies have not differed much from the days we had faced the communist insurgencies, some of these major strategies, striking a balance between persuasive, constructive engagement and legislative initiative to protect and serve the citizenry, are as follows firstly, community engagement modern-day terrorism exploits religion to achieve its objective. Thus, I Strike is a classic example. To counter such maneuverings, the police or the security agencies have intensified community engagements with multiple agencies' support, such as the National Security Council and the Religious Department, by conducting explanatory program centered on the impending dangers of the controversial extremist ideologies based on a belief in violent extremism and the ir struggle these programs are directed at the general public public and private institutions of higher learning government department media religious department state moftis forum participants Mosque-based religious classes and village security and development committees, among others. Between 2014 and 2015, a total of 285 such sessions have been conducted throughout the country, attracting approximately 57,000 participants. Community engagement has proven to be very effective because of huge number of positive feedback from the general public, such as information and intelligence on unknown suspects in, uh, intending to travel to Syria or locals being motivated by the IS ideology, which are relentlessly channeled to the police for preventive action. Secondly, prevention. Obviously, preventing a suspect from being influenced by extremists or terrorism ideology is an easier task than to rehabilitate one already associated with a a terrorist group. It also obstructs a terrorist plot from taking shape. However, to prevent such an attack, intelligence and monitoring must be in place. Without high value intelligence and close monitoring, we will never be able to detect and prevent any terrorist attack. Thirdly, disruptive operation. Since 2001, Arrest operations was, uh, were launched against terrorist elements under the various preventive law, promulgated to protect and preserve all Malaysians. Fourthly, in countering terrorism, <coughs> in countering terrorism <coughs> threats, which is transborder in nature, the security agencies adopt a firm and proactive stance in denying any plans by terror- by terrorist group be it local or foreign, to turn Malaysia into a safe haven. Ladies and gentlemen, at this juncture, allow me, allow me to briefly also explain how in my state, because being a chief minister of the state, I would like also to share another dimension of tackling the problem of extremism and terrorism in my state, while others probably looking at uh, tackling from the religious dimension uh, over and above this uh, dimension, we are also looking at uh, from other perspectives, especially from the socio-economic perspective. In, in these states, I am very much influenced by the concept of economics of the poor, uh, with myself as a first graduate in economics degree, and, and also perhaps due in parts of my background, uh, as a fisherman's son, because I'm a fisherman's son uh, coming very, from a very poor family. So, my observation on poverty is that a youth who lives in poverty will have an overriding drive and ambition to either improve his lot, to leave himself out of the rut, or resent those in society especially the wealthy that he sees as the root cause of his poverty. Or else remain stagnant in resentment and resignation of his station in life. You know, being uh, living in a state of quietism. Fortunately, I belong to the first category, thanks God. Most of you would agree with me that The second and the third categories are the fertile breeding grounds for the supply of the armies of terror. But the first category has its challenges too. Only a small minority are able to beat the (coughs) odds of social mobility. The majority can only do so with assistance from the government in the form of empowerment and poverty eradication program. Even for those who believe those who achieve success on their own terms, a lingering sense of injustice and unfairness may remain against the authority for forsaking them in times of need. Some. So when I took over the helm of the uh, state, of the Parat State's government in 2009, I made it my priority to introduce new empowerment and poverty eradication programme while improving the existing one. My approach was further influenced by another two Nobel laureates, Professor Muhammad Yunus, probably many of you know him, known as the uh, father of the economics of microcredits from Grameen Bank, Bangladesh, and Professor Jeffrey Sack, an American economist and director of the Earth Institute at Columbia University known as one of the world-leading experts on economic development and the fight against poverty. What Professor Sack and Professor Yunus are doing are none other than the principles of Wasatia. This is from my interpretations of, you know, balancing the rights in terms of economics opportunity. My experience also taught me that education is the mightiest wi- weapon against poverty. One main theme: remain constant in our education policy. Whatever you can criticize I to say, some people criticize the our uh, education policy is not consistent enough. But one thing remains, you know, until today, and that is to further enhance the democratization of education policy to enable better accessibility and affordability of education and to strike a just balance of opportunity between the rural and the urban areas and the have and the have not. Equipped with the realisation of that all these uh, elements or aspects of Wasatia, I set about to change the socio-economic landscape of Pera by launching the five-year plan. What that we call Para Amanjaya or Para Amanjaya means Para Peace and Prosperity. Aman means Peace and Jaya means Prosperity. And we set up Yayasan Bina Upaya Ridwan or Para State Capital uh, Capacity Buildings Foundation. The results speak for themselves. For the period 2009 to 2014, the poverty rate was reduced from 3.5% to 0.0%. Hardcore poverty rate reduced from 0.5% to 0.1%. Gross monthly household income increased from 2,809 ringgit to 4,268 ringgit and most importantly for the economies in particular, that is the Gini coefficient was reduced from 0.408 to 0.366. Whatever political challenges Para and Malaysia face, I remain fully focused on this initiative to assist the poor so that they do not become fuel to feed the fires of extremism. I am also humbly gratified to say that my efforts at introducing Swar Wasatia is fully inspired by His Royal Highness, the Sultan of my state, the Sultan of Para, Dr. Nazrin Shah, who is also the head and guardian of Islam in Para. As the leading thought rulers of my country, and a Harvard and Oxford alumnus, he studied here. For he is actively involved in religious discourse, locally and abroad. He's called for not only the moderate in the Muslim world to speak up against extremism, but also the moderate in the West to do likewise by challenging not only the extremists in their religious establishment, but also those in the powerful media and government that champion hardline policies which lead to much violence and conflict abroad, resonates with many. His Royal Highness Dr. Nazir also proposed that the media in the West and Muslim world, as well as intellectual and other important stakeholders, should engage each other and work together to correct misperceptions of <coughs> both sides and promote mutual understanding. This immensely encouraged me to continuously improve on the series of intellectual dialogues of different regions of different religious groups, nudging them towards a paradigm of unity and in diversity. I'm more than ever determined to allow space and time for the Islamic moderates and the spiritualist groups. Engage with the public so as to enable a constructive engagement and the building of a coalition of the willing against any extremist that can alter the balance of peace and stability of my state. It's only in not, not only in my state but also in the country and the world over. The notion that most extremists, yeah, this is another quite uh, interesting observation, uh, one studies done recently. The notion that most extremists are trained in religious school are somewhat found wanting. A recent study by Georgetown University's Security Studies Program, led by C. (coughs) Christians Fair, suggests that there is a popular misconception that the serious study of Islam is a step on the road towards radical. Radicalization and terrorism. But a heartening uh, findings indicate that knowledge is good and that those who, who know more about Islam are more resistant to extremist appeal. This is the latest finding. The policy <coughs> implication of this research. Are potentially important rather than pillarizing Islamic education and the institution where such education takes place, perhaps a more productive approach is to focus upon the quality of Islamic education that students receive. The research also suggests that modest knowledge of Islam among the subject of research can have an important mitigating effect for support against extremists or militancies. It is therefore not a surprise that the government undertook to create a more religious schools under the government's administration while requiring all independent religious schools to be placed under the state religious department. This allows uniformity and, more importantly, realises the government's efforts towards continuously improving the quality of an Islamic education. Far from being disparaged when it first emerged in the contemporary world stage, under circumstances that were putting Muslims at a disadvantage, the concept of wasatiyah <coughs> has now returned with a new relevance to modern society. The return to wasatiyah paradigm rooted in Islamic tradition is very timely and spiritually refreshing as it seeks to restore justice and moderation from the clashes of extremism of all kinds and pave the way for more stability and deeper meaning in society. Today, the wasatia approach has gained currency among academic leaders and policy makers in the Muslim world. The word wasatia is also heard in the corridor of power in the capital cities of Europe, the United States and Asia. Before Uh, I conclude, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to propose a joint research initiative between Oxford's Asian Study Center, St. Anthony's College, and the International Islamic University of Malaysia, International Institute of Wasatia, be initiated to collaborate on research work on holistic wasatia. I would be more than happy to facilitate this initiative as I am also an adjunct professor at the Department of Political Science, Faculty of Islamic River Knowledge and Human Sciences at IIUM Malaysia. You know, I am still functioning as a professor though. <laughs> One area of research I would like to promote is uh, Wasatia-based diplomacy in search of lasting solutions to the devastating conflicts such as Syria and Palestine. I hope this moderation-based diplomacy will play a central role in putting an end to disproportionate retaliation in any armed conflict and to mediate the rationale of both the aggressors and the aggrieved parties. This will prevent civilian deaths on a massive and hard-ranging scale and keep collateral damage at a minimum in the first instance and hopefully help about an end to war in the long run. Our wasatia based peacekeeping force, working on the principle of peace with the people who love peace and striving against those who commit transgression should be established to implement the tenets of moderation-based diplomacy over both sides of the conflict. Finally, let us pray that all our sincere efforts in Wasatia through civilizational dialogues and consistency will elbow out all types of extremism and keep our nations in the steady path of growth, peace and prosperity for all. Thank you. Thank you. A bit longer.